Um, you know, um, it says in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 1, in verse 74, and this is part of the words of Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, as he's making a, a declaration, and part of his declaration is this, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And I want you to pay attention to that last phrase, might serve him without fear. And so what we're going to talk about today is fear-free living. Are you ready? And of course, you can't help but think about this subject without thinking about a verse over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, here's the thing, that the fear of the Lord is definitely a, a, a very important subject of Scripture, but that's not what we're, we're talking about today. We're talking about not the fear of the Lord, but we're talking about dealing with the fear that does not come from the Lord. Because God has not, someone say, has not, given us a spirit of fear. So there's something about power, love, and a sound mind that trumps fear. Did you hear what I said? There's something about power, love, and a sound mind that trumps fear. So the question is, what's ruling in us? Because where power, love, and soundness of mind is ruling, fear cannot rule. But where fear is allowed to rule, it's obvious that power, love, and soundness of mind is not ruling. And so what I want to do today in our time together is I want to break down those three things that trump fear according to God. Power, love, and a sound mind. Are you ready? Hallelujah. And I want to see these things in relation to fear and the advantage that we have over fear when we have these things in operation in our life. First of all, dealing with power, the Greek word dunamis. When did power show up? Well, power showed up when the Holy Spirit showed up. Can we take a look at Acts chapter 1-8? Jesus said, this is part of Jesus' last words, but you shall receive power, the same kind of power talked about in 2 Timothy 1-7, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Also there in the book of Acts, go to chapter 4 and verse 31. Now this is the, the disciples uh, gathered together and, and they had just prayed. And prayed a mighty prayer. And it says that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, an interesting thing that when we, when we read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we see that word fear there. That word uh, fear actually can can cover it from several angles. It, it, can, it can be fear or it can be timidity. Or how about this word, cowardice? You ever heard, don't be a coward? Hey, well, well those are some of the, 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 the shades of meaning that you find in that word fear over in 2 Timothy 1.7. Fear, timidity, and cowardice. But when you get around the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with the Holy Spirit, instead of being cowardly, you speak with boldness. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you receive power. And when you get power, you get boldness. 
Or is somebody with me today? You don't have to go very far to think about how this could happen because Peter went from being scared of a little maid who identified him as being one of Jesus' followers, you know, on the night before Jesus was crucified, and that was one of his three denials of Jesus. Well, he went from being the scaredy cat there to being the bold spokesman of the day of Pentecost. What on earth made the difference between the guy who was chicken one night and about 40 to 50 days later? Woo! He's a man of power and he ain't scared nobody. What happened? What made the difference? The difference is the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit takes us in the opposite direction of fear. Did you hear what I said? The Holy Spirit takes us in the opposite direction of fear. How do you know that? Because Romans 8.15 says something. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And we need to understand this. You can leave that up for a minute. And consider this. The old spirit who reigned in our life was one of bondage. And this resulted in fear. The spirit of adoption, who is the Holy Spirit, is the opposite. He's a spirit of freedom, not bondage, and leads us not into fear, but to approach our Heavenly Father without fear. I need to say that to somebody again. Woo, that is tweetable. Hey, here we go. The old spirit who reigned in our life was one of bondage, and this resulted in fear. The spirit of adoption is the opposite. He's a spirit of freedom, not bondage, and leads us not to fear, but to approach our father without fear. Hallelujah. So we see the connection here, talking about power, love, and a sound mind. And here as we're talking about power, we see the connection between the Holy Spirit and power. But you also, you don't have to look very far in the Word of God to see the connection between the gospel itself, the Word of God itself, and power. Because the gospel is referred to as being the power of God. Romans 1.16 says, If I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. But that's, that's the ticker right there. It is the power of God to everyone who believes, which means there's something about believing or not believing that either can access the power or not access the power. So it's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God to those that believe. Which means if you're not believing, then though the power potential is there, it's not going to work for you. Because faith releases God's power. See, it, it doesn't take long to figure this out. The faith and fear are opposites. And in the same way that faith can turn heaven loose in your life, fear can turn hell loose in your life. Come on, somebody. Fear is faith in Satan's word. Faith believes God's word. And fear also has a twin. Did you know that? Fear has a twin called doubt. And wherever fear and doubt is, they, they both end up with the same result. It's the result of exalting some other thing, some other word, or some other circumstance above the word of God. Did you hear that? Reminds me of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, when he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing. I said high thing that would exalt itself against above the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We need to understand this, that that with fear and doubt, 
the result is always the same. Putting something up so high that it's in a place that's higher than God. That in our mind, woo, I know I got the Lord on my side, but I don't know about this one. I know I got the Lord on my side, but oh boy, I never dealt with anything this big before. What's that? That's fear and doubt. That's putting something higher than the word. That's putting something higher than him. And uh, when you do that, what you're going to do, you're going to clog up the power. Because in the same way that faith can release God's power, fear can clog it up. I said in the same way that faith can release God's power, fear can clog it up. It's interesting that Jesus... You know, when uh, Jairus, who was one of the rulers of the synagogue, came to Jesus and said, Lord, my little daughter is lying at home uh, near death. Uh, would you come and lay your hands on her so she would be healed and live? And Jesus said, I'll come. He was coming. And then along the way, some other folks from Jairus' house came and told him, well, <laughs> I hate to break the news to you, but your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master any further. At which point Jesus turned to him and said, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Which means this, that the response of Jairus, whether in faith or in fear, would be the the determining factor of how the story would end. Whether in faith or in fear, he had a serious something, a serious part to play with the end of that story. And thank God he chose to believe. But how many of you remember those children of Israel out in the wilderness? And and as as they were traveling through and getting close to the glorious land known as the promised land. And and, and you see this, that uh, you've got uh, 12 spies that go out. And and the the two of them come back with one kind of report. Those two are Joshua and Caleb. And the other 10 come back with a report of, of how bad it is. Oh, yeah, there's nice stuff over there. There's nice scenery over there. There's big grapes over there. But all those giants. And came back fearful. I said fearful. Now listen to this. Take a look at this with me. This is strong language. But I want you to realize that when it comes to dealing with fear, the the Lord's not cute with it. Now, the Lord is very compassionate and patient and understanding, but at the same time, the Lord don't get cute with stuff that ain't right. Ah, yeah, hallelujah. Come on. Numbers, chapter 14. Here we go. Now, this is the words of Joshua and Caleb to the people as they were discussing what they saw there. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Woo. That's a charged up positive sermon. But look at the response of the people. Verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So much for being optimistic, right? Lord. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? Now I want to tell you something. This is tough. But I got to tell you, you know, there's enough honey today to help it go down. All right. But fear is God sees it. Is rebellion. Rejecting him and flat out not believing him. Fear as God sees it is rebelling against him, rejecting him, and flat out not believing him. And what does it do? The the end of this story is that Joshua and Caleb and, and, and the people who at the time were 20 years old and under got to go into the promised land And everybody else died in the wilderness and never got to go in. Well, I don't know about you. I want my promised land, somebody. Because fear 
in partnership with doubt will keep you from getting to your promised land. Why is that? Because fear blocks the power. Fear blocks the power. And where the power is blocked, the provision that comes with the power is also blocked. Oh, can I say that again for somebody? Fear blocks the power. And where the power is blocked, the provision that comes along with that power also gets blocked. I don't want nothing blocked in me. How about you? So we see God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power. What about love? What about love? Hey, first John chapter four, let's check it out. Verse 16 says this. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, let me ask you a question then. As we read this, well, perfect love casts out fear. Well, what is perfect love? Is it a reference to our receiving God's love? Or is it a reference to us loving others with God's love? Or could it be both? Well, I want you to know that based on what you can read right here in this very chapter, it's both. First of all, here in verse 16 and 17, we see that love has been perfected among us in this. That's what the beginning of verse 17 says. So to find out what this is, you go back to verse 16. And then as you read verse 16, you see that the this here is knowing his love. Believing his love and abiding his love. It is so vital for you to know that God loves, and I do mean loves you. That is so vital. So vital that the Apostle Paul, when praying for the church, and specifically the church at Ephesus, prayed for them that they would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge and prayed for them that they would be rooted and grounded in love. How important is this? It is so important that you knowing and believing the love that God has for you and abiding in that love is one very, very key way that love gets perfected in you. Well, how else can it happen? It happens when you let that love that's flowing to you not just flow to you, but flow through you. Verse 12 of this same chapter says that if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So we see in the same chapter that both through the, the, the love of God to us and us knowing and recognizing that love and also the love of God through us because of the love of God to us and through us, love's been perfected in us. And where there's perfect love, what happens to fear? Fear has to find the door. Hallelujah. Now let's consider the origin of fear. Where did it all get started? Well, fear originated where man got separated from God. What separates man from God? Sin separates man from God. Spiritual death separated man from God. 
And so that first instance of after sin was allowed into the world and death by sin, spiritual death by sin. So you've got Adam now in a spiritually dead state. So when the Lord came around saying, hey, Adam, where are you? And instead of being right there, say, hey, Lord, so happy to see you. Been looking forward to our time together today. Rather than that, he's out hiding somewhere. And why was he hiding? If you look in Genesis 3, 9 and 10, he says, I was afraid. So fear was allowed entrance into this world because of separation from God. Now, when God's love reunites us and, uh, uh, and we receive his love for us, now that frees us from the fear of that separation happening again. Thank God for that. Are you with me? So God's love has now reunited us with him, and it's our receiving that love that frees us from the fear of being separated from that love again. Reminds me of the wording of Romans chapter 8. Can we check it all now? Yet in all these things, verse 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you persuaded about this? I love this wording. I am persuaded. We need to be persuaded about this as well. And so now, as believers having been reunited with God, and in the confidence that these things cannot separate us from his love, that fear is now dispelled. Where separation from God brought fear into the world, reunion with God now dispels the fear. Separation from God brought fear into the world, But now being reunited with him, fear is dispelled. How about this, talking about love? That when we receive God's love for us and walk in that love toward others, we're in contact and we're walking in something and operating in something that never, never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. The first three words, love never fails. So, now we're totally free from the fear of failure when we're receiving and walking in something that cannot fail. I said we're totally free from the fear of failure when we're receiving something and walking in something that cannot fail. And I want you to know today that really when you shake it all down, that what's really at the root of all fears is the fear of some kind of failure. See, people are afraid of getting into a relationship because the relationship might fail. Some people actually have the logic, well, I think that I need to just go ahead and live together and not get married because I know too many people that got divorced. What's that? That's fear. So it's interesting that when you break it down, how fear can often be the, 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 there because it's a fear of some kind of failure. It's the fear that something is not going to work, that something's not going to do what it's supposed to do, act the way it's supposed to act, click the way it's supposed to click. The fear of failure. Why is love so important? We just read it. Because love is something in this universe. God's love, agape, is something that never fails. When you're dealing with something that never fails, fear of failure is out the window when you got the ingredient that works all the time and never fails. 
See, that's my thing. If you don't wave at me, I'll wave at you first. Come on. Now think about this as we examine the love of God. And this is amazing and beautiful. Now I, I want somebody to get set free today. We must know the value that is put upon us by the love of our soul. Part of being free from fear is you're recognizing the value that is put on you by the one who purchased you and redeemed you. Can we look at Matthew 10? Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So the sparrows matter to God. He notices them. If he's got the, the hairs counted, he's got the feathers counted too. You know that. And Jesus wraps up this thought with these words. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows, which means this, that Jesus equated the knowledge of our value to the Father as a reason to not be fearful. Did you hear me? Jesus equated the knowledge of our value to the Father as a reason to not be fearful. How about Luke chapter 5? Let's take a look at Peter, uh, and, and the, uh, just to give you a little background here, this is right after they took in a boatload of fish. And I mean a boatload of fish. I mean a sinking boatload of fish. A miraculous catch. And Peter's reaction, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now think about this. Peter saw this had happened, knows he's dealing with somebody who's beyond, uh, you know, the ordinary guy who's come by the Sea of Galilee in the last few weeks or the last few months or the last few years or any time ever. And, and, and when he sees this, this miraculous catch going on, he said, oh, no. He said, I, I know what I've done. I'm just a drunken sailor, Lord. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus tells him, do not be afraid. Interesting. It is interesting that Peter's sense of guilt and unworthiness was perceived by Jesus as fear. Somebody needs to connect with me here today. That Peter's sense of guilt and unworthiness was perceived by Jesus as fear. In other words, he was saying, ain't no way I can ever live this Christian life. You ever heard somebody talk about that before? Well, I know, I know you can do that. Well, you, you're born on the right side of the track, so you can do that. But you know, I, I'm from the other side of town. I'm from the south side. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, I'm from, I'm from the, the hood where there was nothing good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people have their reasons for being able to say, I could never do it. But rather than living in fear, that you can't live this Christian life, that you can't be a follower of Jesus. Why not just go ahead and follow him? 
Because sometimes one of the best things you can do to your fear is to just absolutely positively ignore it and tell it to shut up. Because it's always happening here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's always always there. And one of the best things you can do and one of the best ways you can resist the devil is just flat out ignore him. Say, I'm not even going to act like, I'm not even going to give you any attention. Because that's what you want is attention. I'm not giving you any. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore what you said. And I'm going to go ahead and take seriously what Jesus said. And I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to be wild and crazy enough to believe that I can do this. That if he says I can, then I can. And besides that, the fear of not being able to be a follower of Jesus. The fear of not being able to live this Christian life, hey, it's not you living it anyways. Remember the words of Paul, Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So it ain't you living it anyhow. Come on. What are you afraid of? Hey, hey, hey. hallelujah. Power and love. And now. Let's talk about a sound mind. Woo! And also in that context of a sound mind is discipline and self-control. So right in the meaning of that word or that phrase, you've got sound mind, discipline, self-control. Sound mind. My goodness. Understand this. that fear can be rooted in either arrogance or ignorance. Arrogance is when you think, I've got this. And that's your way of saying to the Lord, thanks, but no thanks, I've got this. I'll call you when I need you. See, that's arrogance. But ignorance on the other side is a lack of knowledge. You see, because you can't think right if you don't got the whole picture. And so with a lack of knowledge, what's the problem there? Well, you remember that Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But it's only the truth that you know that makes you free, which means if there's something you don't know, you don't have freedom in that area. So arrogance or ignorance, I don't want to have either one. But as we dig into having a sound mind here, I want to look at Bible examples of fear that's either based on false information or irrational logic. Fear that's based on false information or irrational logic. How many of you ever remember uh, the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament? You ever heard of him? How many of you ever heard of a crazy ungodly woman named Jezebel? You ever heard of her? Well, you see, over in the first Kings, uh, you, you've got Elijah, a mighty prophet, slaying the prophets of Baal. And uh, you know what? A uh, 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 popular term in politics today is drain the swamp. Uh, he, Elijah literally drained the swamp. I mean, he, he oh my goodness. I mean, he, he went and, and he just took out these prophets of Baal. And then as a result, you've got Jezebel who gets mad at that because she's, a, she, she's an adherent to Baal and said, so let the gods do to me if I don't have this guy dead by tomorrow. And so when Elijah heard that news, he ran. He ran. I mean, you, you think he was as bold as a lion? And that there was no way fear was going to touch this guy. And yet, Jezebel threatened and he ran. And then complains to God by saying, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left and she's trying to take me out. So like, Lord, you just might as well take me. I'd rather you take me out than she take me out. And just having a total pity party based on fear. 
But what does God say to him? Say, you think you're the only one left? God says, I've got 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. What's the deal with that? Is that he had faulty thinking. And part of us having a sound mind is us being willing to allow the Lord to correct our thinking when we ain't thinking right. When we're not thinking accurately. When we're not thinking according to truth. Are you with me? Now Elijah, his successor, the next prophet in line who got a double portion of the anointing that he had, his name was Elisha. And Elisha had a servant, and over in 2 Corinthians 6, you see the instance of Elisha's servant getting up early one morning outside of the prophet's house and looking all around, and there's a problem. Because there's a big army out there, and they're surrounded. And so in his mind, he's doing this, all right? 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, and keeps on counting. And then he looks at him and Elisha and says, one Two. And he says, Master, what are we going to do? Obviously afraid. And the prophet, who's so cool, said, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord opened the eyes of Elisha's servant. And he looks and sees Horses and chariots of fire. Not the other army. We're talking about the Lord's army. And what was the word that Elisha said? He said, there's more that be with us than those that be with them. Now, mathematically, when you walk by sight, that wasn't computing. But that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. And so you see that through the prophet, faulty thinking was corrected. How many of you would like to have some faulty thinking corrected? Which means that when you're confronted with that, you need to say, okay, I need to change. I was wrong. I need to do differently than I did before. Think about this differently than I thought before because I was confronted with truth about it. So if I'm going to have a sound mind, sound minds are based in truth. So you see there that, that, uh, uh, fear based on false information or faulty thinking, but, uh, How about fear based on just outright irrationality? Of course, the best Bible example of this is Peter. When he stepped out the boat to walk on water, and the the scripture says that he, he saw the wind being boisterous, which means that wind was pretty heavy that day. And when he saw the wind, he got afraid and started beginning to sink. You know what's irrational about that? Is that even on a calm day, you can't walk on water. You see what fear will do to you? Fear will cause you to be irrational. So he's getting worried. Jesus said, come. He steps out the boat and starts walking to Jesus on the water and then gets afraid because it's windy out. Like you can do this on a calm day. Help me somebody. Oh, somebody got help right there. Come on, I felt that. Mm. Now, let me tell you this. You can be free from fear due to what you no longer remember. You can be free from fear due to what you no longer remember. Isaiah 54 and verse 4. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, For you will not be put to shame. 
For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Talk about being free from fear due to what you no longer remember. And that's the thing that we need to understand is that the enemy always wants us to remember old stuff. Old stuff. The shame of your youth. No matter how many weeks, months, years, he'll still say, I can't believe you were so stupid. But I believe that if there's a word for somebody today, it would be this. Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) Don't hold on to it anymore. Let it go. You can be Free from fear based on what you no longer remember. And in the same way, you can be free from fear based on what you do remember. Because we're instructed to remember what? Remember his covenant. So in the same way that you can be free from fear based on what you no longer remember, you can be free from fear also based on what? It's all right for you to remember. Like Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 18, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, remember the Lord. Great and awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Oh, I'll tell you somebody. Is that a word for you? To go ahead and and remember the Lord and no longer walk in fear. And and if you want to fight, how about you do this? How about you fight with God on your side and fight for your family instead of fighting with your family? Fight for them. It's amazing. One thing that parents deal with very often is the fear of how their children are going to turn out. Well, why don't you not be afraid? Remember the Lord and fight for. Mm. Fight for your family. Take a look at Haggai 2.5. We're talking about remembering the covenant here. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt... So my spirit, remember, it remains among you. Do not fear. So you see what you choose to no longer remember and what you choose to remember affects your soundness of mind. Come on. Think about David as he was about to face Goliath. He chose to remember something. He chose on that day to remember past victories and past experiences that he had along the way. And so on that day, taking steps towards that giant, he said, I remember the lion. Because, you know, he had an incident where he tore up a lion that was trying to get to a sheep. Tore up a bear that was trying to get to a sheep. So he's walking towards Goliath and he said, I slew that lion. I slew the bear, I slew the jaguars, oh Lord, I I hope I'm speaking prophetically, yeah, come on. Now that's not really in your Bible, that's my addition, I need to tell you. But Goliath is going to be just like one of them. What's the point? He chose to remember the covenant, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, also in this idea of soundness of mind is also discipline and self-control. Woohoo! Everybody's favorite topic. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
Be kept in perfect peace sounds good. Whose mind is stayed on you, which the Lord does not do for your mind. That's you doing that. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the understood subject is not the Lord. This is us. This is you. This is me. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Which means if you can let it, you can also not let it. John 14, 27. What we're talking about here, we're talking about discipline and self-control in relation to the soundness of mind. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So along with the soundness of mind is also the aspect of discipline and self-control where what you let or don't let is not up to God, but it's up to you. And what discipline and self-control do is allow you to let the good stuff in and do not let the bad stuff in. Are you with me? And someone say, whoa, I'd, that, that'd be really nice. I would really like to do that. I sure wish I could. Well, guess what? If you're a believer, what does the scripture say? We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Well, if you believe that and stand on that, somehow I think that Jesus' mind is pretty sound. Come on now. So as we wrap this up today, power, love, and a sound mind, the three things that God has given us that can trump fear. Well, let's consider this as we wrap it up. There's three conditions that fear can bring. And I mean, you know, you can think about this Outwardly, but of course I'm thinking this more inwardly in your heart and in your mind. Fear can bring the shakes. Fear can bring heart failure. And fear can bring paralysis. Fear can bring the shakes, heart failure, and paralysis. Do you remember reading about the soldiers at the tomb of Jesus on resurrection morning? It says that the guards shook for fear. And became as dead men. It doesn't say they died. It said they became as dead men. So what you see there, you see the shakes and you see the paralysis. And what about the heart failure? Well, Jesus talked about that over in Luke chapter 21 when he talked about men's hearts failing them for fear. So you've got three things. Three symptoms. Three conditions, you might say. That fear can bring on you. The shakes. Heart failure. And paralysis. The shakes. Which means. Though you might look cool. On the outside. And look still on the outside. Internally. Have you ever had those moments. Where you were shaking in your boots. On the inside. When trying to look like you were still holding it. Together on the outside. Heart failure. When it looks like there just ain't no chance of anything. When hopelessness takes over. When defeatism takes over. And paralysis. Paralysis is when you're frozen. You'd like to move on. You see other people moving on. But somehow there's something that just got you locked in where I... I, I can't get past this. I can't get past the fear that's keeping me here. I can't get past the way of thinking that's keeping me here. That's kept me here for a long time. And I, I, I would like to get past it. But I don't seem to know how. Well, I want you to know that power, love, and sound mind 
is the cure for all three. Because with God's power working in your life, rather than being the shaker, you are now, uh, I mean, rather than being the shaken, you are now the shaker. Rather than being the one who's shaking, you're going and shaking things for God with the Holy Spirit and his power moving through you. Rather than being shaken, you are now shaking things for his name's sake. And when it comes to heart failure, what kind of failure do you have to have when you've got something called love that never fails? And when it comes to soundness of mind and that paralysis that, that has held you back, that paralyzed mind that, that, uh, that, that has held you in one place, that, that like the Israelites, it kept them in the wilderness. It was not just a matter of how they saw themselves. They even had a picture that they were convinced about, about how, how other people saw them too. And it totally paralyzed them. But I got to tell you, we're moving on beyond the shakes and beyond heart failure and beyond paralysis, and we're going into our promised land. Because fear paralyzes you and leaves you stuck in the land of I can't. But faith will set you free into the land of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we honor you. We give you glory and praise. Thank you for the word of God that you've planted in our hearts. Lord, today, it is our sincere desire that you move in everybody's heart today. Lord, that nobody's leaving here without what they need from the Lord today. In Jesus' name. If you bow your heads.